0: Morning to all of you, and if you would open up in your Bibles to the Book of Ruth, we are in Chapter One again this morning. Uh, We're picking up in verse six in just a few minutes. You want to find that um, while we're while we're kind of getting there. We are reading through the Book of Ruth this summer together as a church. And really kind of through the lens, as we said last week, of what it means to be and belong in a family. Not just a a nuclear family, not just a family through sort of blood ties, but through a family that God calls and God creates in some really unlikely ways at times. So I want us to kind of keep that in mind as we, we read further this week. I learned from a friend earlier in the week that today is a global celebration. It actually marks uh, the, the commemoration of World Refugee Day. Anybody know? Did anyone know that today was World Refugee Day? All of us have probably followed headlines in recent years about conflict in places like Syria or Afghanistan Sudan, and most recently, the the Ukraine, which have uprooted tens of of millions of men, women, children, families. Some of those families have relocated and been, been resettled here in Vermont, in Chittenden County. Some of them worship with us here at JCC, and we're grateful for them. But even, I, I imagine, in, in talking with, with some of those families and, and individuals, and I hope that some of you have made um, connections and friendships with them, even once you find a new job in a new country, even once you locate housing in a new place, right, establishing that sense of, of a new home takes time. Right? It's an ongoing journey. Sometimes that that home becomes a new place, a new nation, a new country, a new group of people. And sometimes there's sort of a temporary home, and then in some cases, refugees are actually able to return to the places they've left. Sometimes when security improves, when economic conditions improve, when educational opportunities are restored, they are able to return home in in recent weeks you may have seen headlines that uh, during this, this crisis in the ukraine um, because of the, where the conflict has moved to uh, as many as a third of the refugees who left the ukraine are now beginning to make plans to return home or have already crossed back into the ukraine but even as they they come back to their homes and their communities the places they've left right, there needs to be a sense that there is something to return to in making that decision, right? Yes, a a physical place that they came from, but also that there are people there, that there are a community there, that there are are people that will help them recover that sense of of what it means to be at home again. I think the the refugee community in some way, in in their struggle to find home, in their perseverance um, to walk through that season, helps also surface for, for us the question of where our home is. They can, they can bless us and help us enter into that question more deeply. What do we need to have that sense of belonging? What do we need to have that sense of home? And who do we, we share that with? Right? What people are an important part of that? Today, as we move deeper into Ruth chapter 1 we are going to to catch up with Naomi after she has spent a decade as a refugee in Moab. And as we hit verse 6, we're we're meeting Naomi after a devastating series of losses in her life. She's left behind her home. She's endured a time of famine and distress. She's lost her husband. She's lost her two sons. She's reckoning with the real possibility that she may be the end of her family tree, her family line. She may be left alone. She may not even be able to continue to have a home there in Moab. And so as as we move from verse 5 into verse 6, we see sort of Naomi contemplating where is home? How do I go back? How do I recover that sense of belonging? And it's at this this point, this is sort of a pivotal shift, that we begin to first hear the echoes of gospel and good news in her journey. So let me pray for us as we get into the scriptures today. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you uniquely understand these, these dynamics of, of being people in search of a home. Lord Jesus, we know from the Gospels that You, Yourself, were a refugee in the land of Egypt as a child, and yet You also are part of the triune God who proclaims Himself to be a refuge and strength that we can run into. And so, Lord, as You encompass and You hold those two realities together, just pray that You would illuminate Your Word for us, Lord. May the words of my mouth as I speak. May the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is Ruth. I'm going to start in chapter 1, verse 6 today. It says, When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living, and she set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Again, just to to locate where we are in the story of Ruth, the context here, at the end of verse 5, Naomi has, has essentially reached about the lowest point we could imagine, of grief and loss and distress. Right? Her story has gone from hard to harder to a point of desperation here. But now in verse 6, we, we hear the smallest hint that perhaps her story isn't finished. We get the, the smallest glimmer of good news reaching Naomi's ears from back in the land of Judah. And there's, a, I think, a kind of beautiful poetry about verse 6 in the Hebrew that's lost in our translation. When it says that the Lord came to the aid of his people by providing food for them, the word there is actually lechem, which means bread or grain or food. And so in a very real way, Naomi, what she hears is that the Lord has provided lechem in bet lechem, right? The house of bread, the house of grain, which is the name of the village she grew up in, Bethlehem, has gone from a place of famine and now it has been restored to a place of provision, and food and nourishment. Her hometown has become a viable home again. And I think what's also subtly expressed in these two verses is that even though Naomi has been away for ten years, even through all of the loss and the grief and the distress, some sense of connection, some strange sense of belonging still remains in her and connects her to the land of God's promise, to the place she grew up. And so in some way, Naomi understands that her home still remains there in Judah. Think about the most challenging times you have been through in your life. Maybe it was was the death of a family member. Maybe it was a divorce. Maybe it was the loss of a job. Maybe it was the, the undoing of important relationships. I wonder in that season, did you have a sense of where home was at that time? Do you have a sense of a a place and a people that you knew you still belonged to, even when you were at the bottom? Naomi makes a costly decision here. At hearing this good news, she chooses to trust it at some level, and she makes the choice to venture out of Moab and to find the road returning to Judah with the instinct that that after all that's happened, some kind of home may be waiting for her there. But we see in verses 8 and following that that's Naomi's decision, but there are other decisions to be made for Ruth and for Orpah. Look at verse 8 and following. It says, So then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home meaning their birth mother. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. And then she kissed them goodbye and they wept aloud. The author of Ruth paints a a very sort of vibrant and imaginative picture here for us of these three women literally standing at a crossroads. They're on the highway, the dirt road there in the plains of Moab. And one of those roads that Naomi is on continues probably north and then westward beyond the Dead Sea back into Israel, back toward Judah. And another road there at the crossroads heads deeper into Moab, perhaps south or or east, and leads to the the villages where Orpah and Ruth would have grown up. And so standing there at this literal crossroads and thinking ahead to the future of these young women, Naomi urges them to go back to their mother's home. And in, if, you, if you look through the, the Old Testament, wherever that phrase mother's home comes up, usually there's the, the connotation of marriage. The mother's home is, is where you are given in, in marriage to another. And so she's, she's thinking of their need for a future, their need for stability. And so she urges them to go. And she prays that the Lord would bless them in the way they have blessed her. And the kindness they have shown her would be shown to them by bringing them into the home of another husband, the text says. And so to signal that they are released from her, released from further responsibility, released from their duty to her as mother-in-law, she gives them this kiss of, of a parting. It's, it's a sign that they can, they can walk away with her blessing and with her peace. And so she kisses them, and there at the crossroads, they, they weep together. They acknowledge the grief and the lament that they carry, and also the, the, the way that that's bonded them together in the past decade. But as they weep and as they share in this moment and prepare for departure, we hear the, the voice of protest, an unexpected reply coming from these two young women. Look at verse 10. It says, And and they, meaning Orpah and Ruth, they said to Naomi, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who would become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. And at this, they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Oh, can we move it forward? Sorry. Maybe, oh, all right. I left off verse fifteen there, but I'll, let me just continue the text. Verse fifteen says, "Look, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go with her." There's a there's a back and forth. There's an exchange in these verses between two two parties trying to outdo, trying to outmaneuver one another in what they believe is kindness. For the other party, right? It sort of makes me think in a less serious, maybe a more comical way of being at a restaurant and fighting over who's going to pay the check, right? And, and you argue about, no, let me take it. No, I can do this. No, no, I want to pay. Right? Both Naomi and her daughter's in-law are thinking of the other person. They're thinking about what will bless them into the future. And they're using a kind of forceful Kindness to express that. But I think if we, we listen more deeply into this passage and into this debate, there are sort of two questions underneath the exchange. Right? And the questions come down to, where will home be for you? And who will be your family there? Where will home be? And who will be The family you share it with. Those are questions I would put to you this morning also. Where is home for you? And who are the people, who are the family you share that sense of belonging with? Because ultimately we we make choices about these things. And we see in the exchange that Naomi has answered that question for herself with a couple conclusions. She has decided for herself that home is back in Bethlehem, whatever is still left for her there. And so that's the place where she is going. But she makes a different decision about who she's going to share it with seems in the the things she says and what she communicates here that because of the pain she has felt, because of the grief she carries, she has given up the hope that she might share home with others, that she might have a home and a family. And so in choosing to go home, she's choosing to go alone, to walk that road to Bethlehem by herself. And I think we see in her language that she's convinced herself That in in making that decision, it's for the good of her daughter's in-law. right? That she's cutting them loose from the baggage that she carries. Naomi, I think, sees herself as a liability in this family. But Orpah and Ruth resist her. And they say in verse 10, we will go back with you. And that desire to to bless Naomi is almost, it it lands on a raw, a raw place in her life. It it triggers her, I think. And in the response that comes out of Naomi in verse 11 and following, there's pain. There's bitterness. And she says, why would you come with me? I have no husbands left to give you. I am too old. All the evidence points to the fact that the Lord has set his hand, has turned his hand against me. And we see Naomi actually beginning to express an an identity shift in the way she thinks about herself. She says the the Lord has made her life bitter. The the bitterness is too great for her. And we'll see later at the end of chapter 1 that she actually takes on that name. She begins to refer to herself as Marha as the bitter one. Her life is no longer Naomi, no longer the kindness and the goodness of God, but rather the Lord's bitterness expressed toward her. And so if you take verses 11 through 13 together, there are all these assumptions that Naomi has convinced herself of. Assumptions about her value Assumptions about what she lacks. Assumptions about what she cannot provide for the people she loves. And ultimately, assumptions about how God sees her. About how God feels toward her. And they have created this heavy, heavy burden that she carries. And in her desperation, she is choosing to be alone in that pain. What assumptions do do you and I bring to the table about who we are, about our worth, about our ability to be loved, about our ability to love others, about the possibility that we could belong to a home and be known in a family? What assumptions do you have about the way God sees you and acts toward you? Naomi is is full of pain, but the one thing I really appreciate about Naomi in this exchange is her willingness to voice out loud her complaint. Naomi doesn't just stay stuck in her own head or her own heart. She voices her pain as a a lament, as a complaint before the Lord. And she, she wrestles with God. She wrestles with a God who seems like he's forgotten his promises, who feels like he has turned away from her. And as she, as she bears her soul before these two women, as she speaks honestly about how she sees herself, it leaves these two women now with a decision to make about their future, about where home will be for them and who family will be. And we don't know what goes on in in Orpah's evaluation here. Maybe maybe she believes Naomi's fears about the future. Maybe she fears that God has indeed cursed her in some way. Maybe Orpah is is thinking again about her future and her need for security. Whatever the, the, uh, the calculus or the evaluation, we see that Orpah weeps, with Naomi. She cares for her. She offers her a kiss of compassion. But then she walks quietly away from Naomi and back toward Moab. And Orpah chooses to rejoin the people and the gods of her youth, as Naomi has urged her to do. But there's this beautiful conclusion to verse 14. It says, as Orpah walks away, Ruth clung to Naomi. She attaches herself to Naomi. She hangs on to her person for dear life. And I think it's, it's again, beautiful when you read the whole of Scripture together. The same verb here, Debar, in Hebrew, is the one we see in Genesis 2, when it says, A man will leave his mother and father's home. And together with with his wife, they will cleave, they will cling to one another in marriage. Ruth is deciding to leave her mother and father's home. But in this case, she's choosing to cling to and to cleave to Naomi as her family, as the one she will make home with. Pastor Mark Buchanan notes the unusual timing of Ruth's decision. And he he thinks out loud about why is it that at the very moment Naomi is most embittered toward God and saying so out loud, why is it that at that moment Ruth says, sign me up, I'm staying with you? Why would she do that? Well, I wonder if it's not, at least in part, because she sees something in the kind of relationship Naomi has with the God of Israel. It's embittered. It's fraught with pain. But there's an honesty there, an honesty you wouldn't find in the gods of Moab, the worship of Chemosh, the god of Moab. Right? If you brought a complaint against him, he would destroy you. He would crush you. He'd retaliate against you. He'd demand human sacrifice from you. But here is Naomi calling out to her God, the God of Israel, calling her God to account. Where is your faithfulness? Where are the answers to your promises? Naomi wrestles with God like Jacob and Moses before her, She wrestles with God like David, her great-grandson, will wrestle. And something about that that honesty, that struggle that Naomi voices before Ruth, I think inspires Ruth to do some wrestling of her own. And the first wrestling match that Ruth enters into is actually with her (laughs) mother-in-law, with Naomi. Look at verses 16 through the beginning of 19, where we'll finish today. Verse 16, as Naomi is urging her to walk away from the curse and the bitterness and the brokenness she carries, it says, Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God my God. Wherever you die, I will die. If even death separates, sorry, where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. And may the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. It says, when Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. And so these two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. At the beginning of this book, Naomi is, is the central character. She takes center stage. But here in verse 16, Ruth finds her voice, and she steps prominently forward into what will happen. And as Ruth opens her mouth to speak, there is an intensity about Ruth. An intensity to match Naomi's. And and her words in verse 16 are almost a rebuke. There is a sting in her language here. Where she says, stop urging me. The word, more literally, can can mean assaulting me. Stop assaulting me with your your words, with with your condemnations of yourself and, and you're urging me to leave you behind. Ruth says, in essence, back off. This is my choice about my future. And Ruth says, I'm choosing you, Naomi. You can't do anything about that. I am clinging to you. And I love the picture here. We need people in our lives that, that will sometimes look us in the face and will challenge us with words of truth about who we really are, will challenge us to believe that we are worth being loved, that we are worth being enfolded in a family. I think, at its most basic, maybe that is the definition of a family. People who will speak gospel to us and over us. Both about who we are, but also about who God is. And so Ruth comes out of the gate strong here. But she follows up that rebuke with what sound very much like a string of wedding vows, right? Where else do you hear this language? Where you go, I will go. Your people are my people. Your God, my God. Even death will not separate us. Ruth is creating an, an irrevocable, an indissoluble union between her and Naomi. And it's hard to explain Ruth's loyalty here, her fidelity, except as a miraculous provision of God's mercy. And I think that's how scripture wants us to read this exchange. Right, because in choosing to go back to Israel, now Ruth is choosing to make herself the outsider. She's choosing to make herself the refugee. She's choosing to make herself vulnerable. And in all likelihood, she thinks she's choosing to forgo finding a husband back home. She is saying yes to a new kind of family. I think this is one of the most beautiful and gospel-rich passages in all of Scripture. Because here is a woman who is full of her own pain. She has herself been bereaved. A woman who knows only this much about the God of Israel. And yet in her actions, in her choices, she makes the most concrete and embodied expression of God's mercy in Naomi's life. God chooses in his wisdom a pagan Moabitess widow to begin to answer Naomi's lament. And Ruth's name means one who will refresh, one who will renew. Even one who is now embittered. How humbling, how awesome is that, that God connects these two lives. So as we finish this morning, I want us to think about how we belong to God and how we belong to one another. How deeply do we know what it is to belong to the kind of family scripture speaks about here? Who speaks God's truth? Who speaks God's love? Who speaks God's faithfulness to you in concrete ways? Who sees you? Where is your home? Who is your family? And I hope that God is calling and creating that to happen here. But I also want us to think bigger because in this text, God uses some really unlikely, even sort of pre-Christian people. People who are outside the faith to begin to even speak those words of truth and belonging over us as people. And to bring about the plan and the purposes of God into this new people. So let me pray for us, that, that God would do that work, not just in ancient Israel, but he would do it here. Lord Jesus, we, we receive this text as evidence of who you are and your good news, that there is no one, no circumstance in which you do not hear the voice of your people calling out to you. And there is no narrative or storyline in our lives that you cannot work your mercy and faithfulness. You cannot work a new family for us, your people. So we trust you. We ask you to do that here in Jericho today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.